journeys that surround the Christmas story. So this is one of the first journeys, Mary coming to see Elizabeth. Here's the text that you can follow along in the bulletin if you like. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. The word of the Lord. Well, Christmas is all about trips, isn't it? It's all about vacations and journeys and taking time off. Anybody go away for Thanksgiving? Anybody go somewhere? You're not alone. 13.7 million people join you. It is the most traveled holiday in all of the year. Slightly after that, though, is Christmas. Uh, the day after Christmas, 12 million people will be on the road. So watch yourself and don't ride a moped, okay? <laughs> With Christmas and Thanksgiving, it's a time of journey. It's a time of going from one place to the other one, you know, over the hills and through the woods to grandmother's house. But this is a very interesting journey. You, you, you may be saying if you're a high schooler, you know, what are you doing for this Christmas break? Well, these guys are doing something very interesting. Nick and Ed Curtis started today to row from the Canary Islands to Antigua, a journey of about 3,000 miles in the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge Race, considered to be the world's toughest rowing race. So you might say, well, I'm going to Cleveland, or you might say, well, I'm going to row across the Atlantic in a boat. This has been, more people have been into space than rode the Atlantic. And it's not for the faint with unpredictable, extreme weather conditions and 40-foot waves. These guys will be rowing in two-hour shifts around the clock for weeks, and they will burn about 8,000 calories a day. Now that, my friends, is a journey. Christmas is all about journeys. You know, there's something about journey in the human spirit, isn't there? I don't know if anyone's excited about The Hobbit coming out, you know, and these epic journeys. You know, what is it about journeys? You know, we go, why do we go to Everest? Why do we go to the bottom of the ocean? Why do we cross uh, the Atlantic? I think it's not only because we're looking for fun, but we're looking for something. We're looking for answers. Who are we? Why are we here? Who made us? Can we know him? The great questions of life that we can't seem to find right here, and so we must go and search to find them. See, Christmas is all about a journey. It's all about an improbable journey of a people seeking God and God seeking a people. 
And the Christmas story is about these people, these random people who are swept up in the journey. You know, it wasn't so much that they were looking for the journey, it's that the journey was looking for them. And how they respond in this journey tells us a lot about how we should respond in the journey as well. Because what Mary and these people experience, we can too. Jesus may have come through Mary, but she came, he came for you, and he came for me. So what I want to do is I want to look at this passage and look at the main characters. We have Mary, we have Elizabeth, and we have this little one, John the Baptist. And I want to see their responses so you can see how do we join in the journey. Let's look at Mary's response. Number one, she had the courage to run to him. Here's the scripture you don't have in your passage right uh, in your particular reading, but you all know the story. Luke 128, when the angel Gabriel comes and says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the scene and trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall give him the name Jesus. For he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. And there will be no end to his reign. And Mary said, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called, was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. So put yourself at the feet of this young girl, Mary, probably somewhere between 14 and 16 years old. That's when they were married back then. And Mary hears this phrase, this statement, greetings, O favored one. We can't really translate it as well in the Greek, but this statement is in the perfect tense in the Greek, which literally means, greetings, O faithful one, and this is the way I see you forever. Greetings, O blessed one. It's not just something, it's a status that has been granted to Mary. And Mary is deeply troubled at what she's hearing. She's terrified, if you will, that this person has come, this angel, who says, greetings, O favored one. And Gabriel continues, you have found favor with God. Notice it didn't say that you have earned favor with God, did it? Simply said you've found favor. Well, why did Mary find favor? We're not exactly sure. We just know that Gabriel has come saying that God has found favor with you. And Mary, in the back corners of her mind, has to be thinking to herself, how can this be? I'm a 15-year-old girl in a tiny town in the middle of nowhere. I have no education. I have no connections. I have no real estate. I have no prospects other than a simple peasant's life. And yet here is God coming to me and saying, Greetings, O favored one. But the story continues, doesn't it? Because Mary is told that you will bear a son who will inherit the throne of his father, David. And Mary would have instantly known that Gabriel was talking about the Messiah, the one who was to come, prophesied all the way from the days of David a thousand years ago, the one who would liberate the Israelites from being captive. This was the one, and she was going to bear him. But it even got stranger. That not only was this one to be the Messiah, but the Holy Spirit would come upon you, Mary. And so even though you were a virgin, you would bear a child, and he would be called Son of the Most High God. 
Mary has to be in astonishment here. This simple life that she was living, going to bed, all of a sudden being turned over as she hears that the favor of God is upon her and that she is going to bear a son. Mary must have reacted in astonishment, but she also probably reacted in fear. As a simple girl, what are people going to think? Who's going to believe the story of a young girl bearing the Son of God? Who is going to? In fact, I'm not even sure I believe it. See, what's very interesting is when we look at Mary and the choice she believed, which the choice she made as she entered into the story. See, Mary could have made a couple choices, couldn't she? She could have reacted in disbelief. Now, this is, I don't know what it was. It was a dream. It was a something. It didn't occur. Let's live the way we normally live. Or maybe she could have dis, uh, diminished it. You know, it, it, I didn't quite hear him right. I mean, but you basically said, you know, the things were going to go well for you. And you were going to have a good life. So this is great. And let's just keep living. Maybe she could have disdained it. Things like that don't happen to people like me. Something's wrong. This angel or whatever it was was sent to the wrong person. But Mary did something different. Mary chose to go. See, we sort of put Mary in a box, don't we? She's this 15-year-old girl. But Mary had the courage to go and find out whether this was true or not. Because it says that she arose in great haste and went to the hill country to a town in Judah. See, there was only one person that could verify this story. It was Elizabeth, remember? Even your cousin Elizabeth in her sixth month, you know, is pregnant for nothing is impossible with God. She can't talk to her parents. They're not going to understand this. The only one who might understand is Elizabeth. And so Mary had the courage to go. Now, a little thing to understand here. This town, which was probably Hebron in the hill, in the hill country of Judah, was about 80 to 100 miles away. Okay? This was a dangerous journey. Mary had probably never been more than three or four miles outside of town. And somehow she's got to get from here to there. How did she do it? I don't know. It simply says, in great haste, she went to her parents, she demanded, she said, I have to go. Her parents, her dad couldn't have stayed with her for three months. Somehow she found a way as a young girl to get 80 to 100 miles. Why? Because she had the courage to go. She had to know if what God had said to her was true and nothing was going to stop her. Reminds me of a story of myself as an impetuous young first year at the University of Virginia. My parents lived far away, and so I was staying over for spring break. And uh, I had actually gone into one of these cold studies, you know, where they infect you with a live virus, and then they pay you 500 bucks if you live at the end of it. I was alive, I had my money, I still had a little time left. So, there was this girl, okay? There's always a girl in the story, okay? There was this girl, she lived at, J at JMU, okay? We had been talking for a while, there was a little chemistry there, and I'm wondering if there's something there, okay? Is there something there here? So I decided to myself, I've got to go figure this out. Now is the time. It's spring right there in school. If I don't do it now, what am I going to do? Okay, problem. I don't have any transportation. Except for my roommate bike, okay? JMU is about 53 and a half miles away from University of Virginia. Oh, and there is this thing called the Blue Ridge Mountains that happens to separate them as well. It's a minor thing. 
So I literally get my bike, get a backpack, throw some food in there. I didn't have any water except for one of those Davy Crockett flasks. You know, like where you squeeze them. So I throw that over and it's time to go. Okay, so I head up 29. If you've been in Charlottesville, by the way, heading up 29 is like taking your life into your own hands. Oh, and it was raining as well. Okay, so I head up Route 29. Crank a left on Route 33, okay, so it's sort of a dog leg left to head up, and I start bicycling, and you know, it's about a half mile to three quarter mile climb vertical, you know, over the space. I don't know any of these things, okay? I'm just thinking to myself, I gotta get over there because I gotta get some questions answered about what this gal thinks about me. So I start biking, you know, and I start going up the hill, and it looks pretty simple, and pretty simple, and about 45 minutes later, it's still the exact same incline. And I realized to myself, there is no way I'm getting over this hill. I'm tapped out. I've already gone how many miles? 20 plus miles just to get there. And it's starting to get darker, and I'm really realizing to myself, I, I need some divine providence here. So I do what any impetuous college student would do. I reach out my hand, and I put my thumb up. You know, I, I gotta get over the mountain, right? So sure enough, about 10 minutes later, this kindly farmer comes along, you know, he's got a truck, and he's looking at me thinking to himself, you stupid college boy. I'm saying, I gotta get to JMU, I gotta see about a girl, you know? So I throw, throw, the, throw the thing in the back, and he gets me over the mountain, and goes down, and, and uh, you know, I, I coast into town, and, and lo and behold, I had my you know, appointment to talk to this gal, and there was, some, there was some chemistry there, I'm not gonna say there wasn't, but we dated for a while, she was great, but she, didn't quite come out on top because I realized there was something else for me, my lovely wife. So there you have it. I chose wisely. But taught me a lot about a good person. The point is not who I ended up with, okay? The point is I had to go. I had to go get the information. See, it's the same thing with the Christmas story, you know? We play it on TV, we watch the Charlie Brown Christmas, you know, we do all of these things. But some people are willing to go. And other people are much more comfortable staying back. See, Mary responded with courage. She ran. She went to see. We think these people are like fantasy people, you know? Caricatures on a little flannel breath. They were real people like you and me. And the message that was for Mary is for us. Because Mary might have come, uh, Jesus might have come through Mary, but she came to you and me. <laughs> The message of the gospel is for us as well. Greetings, O favored one. You who are favored by God. You have found favor. Well, why? I don't know. I just know that God has come. That God is interested in being in our presence and having a relationship with us, unloving us despite all of our flaws and failures. The question is, how are you going to respond? Are you going to respond with disbelief? Now, this can't be true. God loves me because he chooses to. God gives me favor even though I'm not someone important. No, that's too dangerous. So we'd rather work than wonder. Maybe bury it rather than buy into it. Maybe we don't disbelieve. Maybe we just diminish it, you know? Joy to the world. Hope on earth. Goodwill, you know, to all mankind. Instead of what it says, goodwill to those on whom his favor rests. And so Christmas and Jesus can't be personal. We're going to just make it a general holiday. It's too dangerous to believe that 
these things could be true. Maybe we disdain it. You haven't seen my life, God. Look at the hard things that are going on in my life. If I'm so favored, why are things so difficult? You know, I want to let you know Mary did not have an easy life. From then on out, she was looked at with shame as the one who supposedly mothered an illegitimate child. But Mary had the courage to believe. And so she ran and she found. And so we must do the same. If we want to know the truth about what Jesus thinks about you and me, we have to commit. You have to make a decision to do something risky. Where do you need to go? Is it over the mountain? Is it 80 miles away? I don't know. Maybe the riskiest thing for you to start doing is praying. Maybe it's just to pick up your Bible and start reading and maybe reading and hoping that it might be about you. Maybe it's about taking your life in the direction you're going and doing a full 180 and starting to walk in the path that you think God might have for you, regardless of the circumstances. To follow Christ, to know the promises, takes courage. And so we have to decide whether we are going to believe or disbelieve. Because what Mary experienced, we can too. He may have come through Mary, but he came for you. Let's look at our next person, that's Mary. Let's talk a little bit about Elizabeth. Because if Mary ran to Elizabeth, Elizabeth recognized Jesus. Luke 140, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord might come to me? For behold, when I heard the sound of your greeting, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now here's the question, folks. How is it that Elizabeth recognized Mary and the baby inside her? Mary had just taken an 80, 100-mile journey that would have taken days. She probably went by countless people. And yet only one recognized who she was and who was inside of her. I think this was the reason that Mary was seeking Elizabeth, but Elizabeth was seeking Jesus. See, when you think about it, these two women are so similar to one another, aren't they? One was old, one was young. One was not supposed to have a baby because she was too old. One was not supposed to have a baby because she was a virgin. The older one, Elizabeth, had endured shame all of her life because it was, it was seen as a shame, as a judgment on you not to have children. And so she had heard the whispers all through her life. And Mary would hear the whispers all through her life. See, these two women are tied together. But Elizabeth heard the, the, the story. She was visited by Gabriel first, right? You will bear a son, and you are to call his name John. John the Baptist, for he will go forth and he will proclaim the coming of the Messiah. So Elizabeth, who had this pain all of her life, this emptiness, finally got what she wanted, a baby. But you see, she knew that this baby had a special place and status. That it was her baby's responsibility to bring the message of the one who was coming. And so Elizabeth, like her son, was not content with the things that she had, but she was looking for the one who was coming. Think about it. I mean, imagine if you could have the things that you wanted right there. Your shame would be taken away. Your joy 
would be right there evident. You could just not worry about anything else, right? You got everything you needed. Now Elizabeth knew there was more to life than simply getting what she wanted. And so she had made room in her heart for the coming of the Messiah. See, the truth of the matter is, my friends, you can't recognize Jesus until you make room in your heart for when he comes. Mary's, uh, Elizabeth's womb may have been full, but her heart was empty. Jesus tells a story. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant and he said, Say to those who have been invited, come, for everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I have to examine them. Another said, please excuse me, I've just been married and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. And the master became angry and said, go. Go out into the streets and the cities and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. See, what was the problem with all of these people? Their lives were too full. Here was the master with the banquet, but they weren't hungry because they'd already satisfied with them, themselves with something else. See, Elizabeth was, got what she wanted, but she wanted more because she knew there was more. And so she was looking for Jesus. See, if Mary had the courage to go, Elizabeth had the courage to let go, to keep her heart open so when the Christ would come along, she would be able to know who he was. One of my favorite movies, Slumdog Millionaire. Powerful movie. I had no idea what I was getting when I watched that movie. And if you haven't seen the movie, it's a story of these three Indian uh, kids from India that grow up. Two were brothers, uh, Jamal and Salim, and this little girl called Latika. And uh, the parents of the kids uh, are all killed during this riot. So they're, they're kids living on the street. And they meet each other because they're, uh, you know, this, uh, people would round up the kids and they would turn them into beggars to make money. And so there's this bad guy that gets them together and they're, uh, they meet each other there. Well, Jamal instantly has this sort of connection with Latika. He just, he loves her in an innocent, childlike love. But Salim, for some reason, is always getting in between them. And so when it's time to run, they realize that they have to run or they're going to die. All three of them run. Jamal and Salim jump on the, the train. And as Latika is coming along, she grabs Jamal's hands. But uh, Salim breaks that, uh, that bond and off they go. Well, throughout the movie, as life continues, uh, Jamal and Salim continue living as these vagabonds. But Jamal is always looking for Latika. Always looking for Latika. And finally, they find her as teenagers. Okay, and, and uh, she has been, you know, taken captive, and so they go and free her. But then again, Salim steps in, in, in between Jamal and Latika and ends up taking her away, and Jamal loses her again. But as Jamal grows up alone on the streets, he never stops thinking about Latika. And so he finally finds her after seeking her out. And Salim and Latika are now uh, in the employ of this gangster. And Latika is the mistress of the gangster. But Jamal is not deterred. He goes and he finds a way to see her and to profess his love for her. But Latika, she, she sees her life. She's a mess. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't see any value. She's used goods, if you will. 
Jamal never stops, though, and he says, look, if you run away with me, I will take you away from this. I will give you a new life. And so Latika finally gets up her gumption, if you will, and runs, you know, and you've seen the scene, if you've seen it at the train stop, where they're almost united, but lo and behold, the gangster catches her and again is whisked away. But Jamal is not done, is he? He only knows one thing about Latika. He doesn't know where she lives. He simply knows that she loves to watch the show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And so Jamal finds a way to get on the show, even though he has no education, no training, because he knows the only way he's going to be able to find Latika is to get on the show. And so he gets on the show, and it's amazing. Every single question he happens to know the answer to because of something that happened in his life. It's not that he's necessarily educated. It's just simply that he knows the answer. And the story starts to build bigger and bigger in India as this slum dog has the opportunity you know, to become you know, richer than he could ever be. And the thing goes on, and he's building money and building money. And you know, what's so interesting is here's this kid from the slums who all of a sudden has notoriety, who all of a sudden has money. He can walk away any time he wants to a total new life. But you see, for Jamal, it's not about the money. It's about Latika. And even at the very end, you know, take the X money and go or play one more question. He hasn't gotten to Latika yet, so it's all about finding her. And there's that beautiful scene at the end where, you know, through Salim finally comes to, oh, I'm not going to tell you what happens. I'm not going to tell you what happens. The point, it's not how it ends up, okay, just like the other. The point is simply this. Jamal was not content with less than love. And so Jamal never stopped. He never filled that place in his heart, but left it reserved for this one. See, that's the story of Elizabeth. It's the story of people who want to follow Christ. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are poor and merciful uh, and seek mercy, for they will see God. This is a great quote. The gospel is not given its rightful honor, unless we put it before all the riches, delights, honors, and comforts of the world. And indeed that we should be so content with the spiritual blessings which it promises, that we neglect everything that would draw us from it. For those who aspire after heaven must be freed from all hindrances. See, it's not just are we seeking him, it's are we looking for the one who is seeking us. Maybe the reason you can't see him this Christmas is because your hearts are too full. I've got this thing going on with my job, and it's busy, and a lot of great opportunities, but i really got to keep going and get this project done. And yeah, I'll do the Christmas thing. But maybe it's I'm so busy building some sort of empire for myself, my fortune, my finances, my relationships. Maybe it's just Christmas itself, but my life is so full that there's no space to look. So you can't recognize something if you're not looking for it. So if you want to recognize Jesus, you're going to have to move some stuff. You're going to have to empty out some closets. You're going to maybe have to set aside some dreams so you can find the real dream. It's risky business. Dangerous. What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't come? See, the truth of the matter is the reason we know that he can come if we're empty is because though Jesus was full, he emptied himself to come and find us. See, Jesus made space in his very own life, didn't he? The one who was the millionaire. 
becoming poor, a simple carpenter coming to earth, seeking his people, giving up all that he might rescue and ransom the ones he loved. So you can tell how much somebody loves someone by how much they're willing to pay for them. The story of Jamal and Latika is the story of Christ in us. The one who doesn't stop seeking. The one who finds a way, even a great danger, to find his love. The question I have for you is this. Do you want to be found? Because Jesus is coming. What Mary experienced, we can too. He may have come through Mary, but he came for you. You must run to him with courage, but we must have the emptiness enough in our hearts to recognize. This brings me to my final point. We must rejoice in him. Luke 143, this last sentence here, and why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. What a great picture, isn't it? John the Baptist in the womb. How did John the Baptist know? I mean, how did this little, you know, little guy, how did he know? I think he knew because he was the messenger. It was his mission in life, if you will, to proclaim the coming of the Son of God. We would see this later, wouldn't we, when he was baptizing and Jesus would walk along and he'd say, Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so as John the Baptist, full of the Holy Spirit, even in the womb, heard the voice of Mary, the mother of his Savior, he leapt for joy. You know, as a parent, I love Christmas. I love it so much more for them than for me. And one of the things I love is their anticipation of the things that they desire. You know, when they've got their list, and they really want it, and they're dropping hints here or there, and they're waiting and they're hoping in anticipation of that day when they hope that they'll receive the things that they're looking for. And when they do, you get to see that expression in their face of joy. Yes, I received it. And a week later, it's, you know, it's in their back room somewhere. <laughs> what well, was that? I don't know. But where's the target card? Uh, you know. But the point is that there's that rejoicing. But true joy never ends. True joy never stops. See, John the Baptist's mission was to proclaim but his purpose was to enjoy and rejoice. See, that's the message of Christianity. Christianity is so far from religion. Religion is all about, it's time to get to work. It's time to get out there and make it happen. Christianity is all about relationship. It's all about being united with the one who made us, coming face to face with him. Because it's only then that we will truly experience joy. You know, there are three people in this story. There's Elizabeth, there's John the Baptist, and there's Mary. Mary's response to this reunion amongst them, these three, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in him. Elizabeth shouting forth in joy. The baby leaping in joy. Truth of the matter is there are actually four people in this story, all who found what they want, wanted. Mary found Elizabeth. Elizabeth and John found Jesus. And Jesus found us. So I leave you with this question. What are we to do with this story, this journey of God to visit us? We could discount it. Eh, it's not any truth to it. It's like a fable. We could diminish it. 
Yeah, it's great. It's for everyone. Not really for me. We could disdain it. Yeah, right. Look at my life. People like him doesn't come for people like me. Or we could embrace it. We could have the courage like Mary to get up and run and hope. We could empty our heart enough like Elizabeth to seek and recognize. And we could have the heart of joy like John the Baptist, leaping for joy when he's united with the one he was made for, just like you and me. See, what Mary experienced, we can too. Because even though Jesus came through Mary, he came for you. And he came for me. Run to him. Recognize him. And rejoice in him. That is the call of Christmas. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you are our Jamal. That even though we're lost, used, abandoned, sinful, that you see us in a whole different light. You see us through your love. You are the one that has the ability to find lost things and to take ugly things and make them beautiful. Lord, give us the courage to seek out whether these things that are spoken of in the Word are really true. That we are, O favored ones, blessed by you. Give us hearts that are empty enough to recognize you so when you come, we would know it. And give us hearts, Lord, that rejoice in the fact that we have come home and our Savior has come to us. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.